Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. This week marks the beginning of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. On the day before, so September 30th, whatever day that was last week, um, I was alerted by a member of um, my Facebook group that another one of our members was murdered. And she was killed by her boyfriend in a murder-suicide. I have since learned that um, there are 11 murder-suicides rooted in domestic violence per week in the U.S. So, um, I was going to have a different episode today, but I decided that I wanted to spend a little time um, with this. And there are a few things that I want to talk about. Um, You know, in this woman's situation, I don't know the details of her story very much. I will tell you what I do know. She was a member of our group. She was not active. She had never posted. She'd never shared her story, which did not mean that she wasn't um, participating and listening and, and learning. I do know that she had divorced her husband in the time that she was in the group, I believe. And she had embarked on a new relationship. She had ended that relationship. It was the boyfriend um, who killed her and then himself. She had three small children, very small. She was only 29, by the way. And I believe he had children too. Um, I'm just guessing from looking at her um, Facebook and um, her photos that showed the two of them together um, with, I think, like five or six kids. So I'm assuming that the other ones were hers, were his, but I could be wrong. So the point here is that um, I don't know anything about what her marriage was like, but I do know that she got into another relationship um, shortly after her marriage fell apart or she divorced and that this uh, relationship was clearly um, toxic and abusive. Um, And when she ended it, he was threatening her and she had called someone. She called the actually soon to be ex of the woman that contacted me because they were friends um, and they were all friends. She contacted him and said, I'm I'm, I'm scared. Um, She expressed fear. I don't know if she went to the authorities. I don't know if she had a restraining order against him. I don't know if the soon-to-be ex that um, of the other woman that she contacted um, contacted authorities. I don't know what happened. I do know that in cases of domestic violence, um, you can have all the restraining orders in the world, but someone will 
you know, find their way into your home. You can call the police, but how, you know, how much time do you have? From my understanding from the news reports that are still very vague, um, and her family has not, uh, I I was just recently on her um, obituary page, you know, they have those, um, I can't remember, I don't know what they're called, but they have those pages where they can, where they make announcements, um, death announcements and stuff like that, and people can post their memories, and they did not cite the cause of death. So, obviously, um, there's a lot of information that we don't have. One of the things that I did hear as well is that a lot in the community, a lot of people are saying that he had PTSD, um, which caused him to uh, go off the rails like this, uh, which is a little frustrating because, you know, <laughs> PTSD does not cause domestic violence. It, it certainly is a contributing factor. Uh, let's definitely say that. And it does not cause someone to become a murderer. PTSD impacts someone's ability to manage stress, process emotions in a healthy way, for sure. But it doesn't cause someone to pick up a gun and go and murder another person and then uh, turn the gun on themselves. And, you know, the, the only person and the only thing responsible for a domestic homicide is the person who pulls the trigger of the gun. I, I don't want to blame anything other than other than him. And if he had mental health problems, I am I am so so sorry for him. And and if he had PTSD, if he had fought in Afghanistan or wherever he, wherever it was that he fought and had uh, PTSD from being in the military, then listen. Again, this is a systemic issue that we are not addressing. We are not addressing the fact that we, as a society, and we are one of the few developed nations that really does this, we take particularly men and boys, especially boys who are not yet fully developed. The human brain does not fully develop until the age of 25. And we take kids at the age of 18 and we train them in violence and we destroy them with PTSD and we teach them that violence is the answer and is how we solve problems. We destroy their brains before they've had time to fully develop. So in that way, yes, society at large is responsible for creating uh, and, and perpetuating this toxic masculinity that I will redefine one more time here because before people start turning this off and telling me that they are Um, that, you know, I'm saying that men are toxic. No, I'm not. (laughs) Toxic masculinity is bad for men. Toxic masculinity is when we teach our young boys and young men that emotion, that, that they, there's no place in the world for their feelings and their emotions, that having feelings like pain and fear make them weak, make them gay, make them um, like a woman, all, all of which we've decided in our 
culture are like the worst things for a man to be, right? I love it when we're like, that's so gay. Well, okay, so what? Is that is that bad? <laughs> is that, right? You know, you throw like a girl. Okay. Girls fucking kick ass. So, but culturally we have declared those things to be the worst thing possible. A, a, a boy cr- shedding a tear, crying, um, expressing pain, expressing fear is the worst thing. And so we teach our boys and young men to shove these feelings down. They toxify in their systems. These feelings don't go away just because we push them aside. When you push something, when you shove something under a rug, it's not like they just dissolve. They just make the fucking rug lumpy. And then you start tripping over all the shit that's under the rug. It's dangerous. So all of this stuff toxifies inside of men and boys. And then we taught them that the best and one of the only ways that they can handle their feelings of rejection, um, whatever, is to pick up a fucking gun. This is, this is what we're doing to our boys This is what we're doing to them. This is fucking awful. So on the one hand, you know, yes, PTSD may be one of the root causes, um, but I would say it goes much deeper. Um, The roots go much deeper um, than, than just PTSD. And yet there's a human being on the other end of that gun who chose to pick up a gun and murder a woman who said that she didn't want to be with him anymore. Domestic violence is about power and control, period. It is the systematic use of power and control. Um, you know, uh, the, it's the systematic use of various forms, various, you know, things that people do in order to exert power and control over another person. The ultimate in power and control is murder is let me kill you because I don't want you to be with anybody else. Let me kill you because you rejected me and I can't be with my feelings of rejection. So let me kill you. So there is this duality. Yes, we are, we are responsible culturally for this. Um, Domestic violence is a, it is an epidemic. It is a national epidemic that we are just not addressing in at its root causes and on a much wider scale. Like we have got to, this is a, this is a national emergency and it is, all of its roots are in our cultural environment and how we raise uh, our kids in particular men and boys and um it has to stop you guys my god it has to stop and we have to become aware so so i'm doing this this episode because i want there to be awareness um i want there to be awareness about this and here's and, and here's what i want here's what i really want right I'm so tired 
of educating victims. I will never tire of educating victims. I will, I will, <laughs> I will educate victims till probably the day I die. But I, but I want to get at the root of this, right? Because when I'm educating victims, I'm already too late. It's already too fucking late. But here's where it's not too late, right? So there's a couple of things that, you know, that I want us to do. Okay. So the first thing I want you to do. If you're listening to this, whether you are a victim or not, I, if you are a parent, if you're an aunt, if you're an uncle, I don't care. I want you to raise your children differently. I want you to really consider the toxic messaging that you might be unconsciously, because we do this unconsciously, guys. This is not like, you know because it is so woven into the fabric of our society, um, it can become very unconscious. So I want you to bring some consciousness back to how we are raising our boys. And I want you to have these conversations in your communities. I want you to talk to your sons about this. Uh, I want you to talk to your daughters about this. I want you, like, this is a conversation that has to be had. I want you to have conversations, if at all possible, with your spouses. If you are a woman who is married to a man who demonstrates these kinds of uh, toxic traits, and they, you know, seem to be really unhappy, (laughs) right? So, you know, there's, there's, if they're like, you know, a psychopath or whatever, then sure, they're not unhappy. They're not going to change. That doesn't matter. But if they seem to be unhappy, then let's start talking about this. You know, let's start talking about the, the pain that they might be um, stuffing down if it is safe and comfortable to do so. And if it's not okay for you to do it, have someone else do it. Um, if you're If you're divorced and you co-parent with someone who is exhibiting this toxic, these toxic behavior cycles of rage um, and anger as being sort of the only way to deal with uh, feelings of frustration or hurt or whatever, um, and parenting, (laughs) you know, um, talk to your children, talk to your children and say, you know, I think maybe maybe dad has some has a problem getting in touch with the real feelings, um, his real feelings. And he really only knows how to how to deal with his feelings with anger. And I don't want that for you because he's not happy. He's not happy. And it's I'm so sorry that he's yelling at you in that way. And that must be really, really hard. And explain to them why you know, what might be going on for their dad, not so that they can go to their dad and say, like, you know, mom says this, but so that they can take that to heart for themselves so that they can learn to be different. If you have a willing co-parent, someone who's willing to learn to parent differently, have them take a nonviolent parenting course. Please, I will put one in the show notes. Um, It's by a company called Echo. And 
it's it's their nonviolent parenting course. If you, um, I'll link to it in the show notes. But even if you, if I, you know, if you can't get to the show notes for whatever reason, and you can remember this, it's Echo, <laughs> like E C H O, and it is a nonviolent parenting program. It is an online course that teaches you different way to parent. So that is one thing I want you to do. The other thing I want you to do, I want every single person to become educated in domestic violence. I do a lot of it on this podcast. I do a lot of it in my work. I do it in the Facebook group. I do, God, I do it fucking everywhere I can. But it would be better if everyone would find a domestic violence advocacy training program in your area and take it. Learn the facts. Learn how to spot things. I became certified as a domestic violence victims advocate in the state of California um, this year, earlier this year, um, because I was like, I have got to have as much education as possible. And I learned shit I had, I did not know. I learned a lot. Um, and I did that with, through a company called uh, Laura's House. And if you, um, if you want to um, take it, if you're in, if you're in Southern California, then definitely Laura's House is, is the best one. It's a 40 hour uh, training. They do it on like a Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Friday, I think, so that you know, it's easier for people with work and stuff like that. Um, or find one in your area, even if it's not a 40 hour one. I think the 40 hour is genius. We all have to become educated. This is not just, this is not just a domestic violence problem. This is a, a societal and cultural problem that we have to address. And the more of us who are educated and the more of us who are out here on the streets identifying abusive patterns and abusive behaviors um, and calling out abuse when we see it and when we feel it, the better. I want us to become a fucking army. I want us to become a fucking army of educated women and men. My God, men, please, please join us, please. And now a word from one of our sponsors. I want to take a quick moment to tell you about the MEND project. Anyone who's encountered abuse in a relationship understands how confusing it can be. It often feels like a maze of mind games that are used against you, especially if the signs and experiences are not clearly evident, like with physical bruises or loud, explicit psychological abuse. Sometimes it can even be hard to articulate what you're going through when you try to reach out to a friend or a therapist for help, and it can make you feel even more crazy. As a survivor, I remember feeling this way. And when I first came across the MEND Project's Terms and Definitions tool, which names and explains covert abusive tactics, it was so validating and illuminating. I keep these terms and definitions on my desk, and I share them with others, with clients, um, with friends, and I am so excited because MEND wants to share this resource with the Divorce Survival Guide listeners for free. 
So to get this tool that I think is so essential, go to kateanthony.com slash mend. That's kateanthony.com slash M-E-N-D. I absolutely love the MEND project and what they're doing, and I really hope that those of you who download this resource are empowered and experience the same clarity that I did. So again, go to kateanthony.com slash MEND for the free download. I want us to become an educated army so that we are going like through the world, calling it out, saying it's not okay helping other people to identify these toxic behaviors and patterns in their relationships so that they can safely opt out. Now, that brings me to the third thing I want I want for everybody. I want everybody to know that it is not safe to leave a relationship that feels toxic and abusive to you. I will say that again that feels toxic and abusive to you. That doesn't mean the other person has to agree that what they're doing is toxic or abusive. They never will. I don't want you to leave or allow anyone you know to leave a toxic and abusive relationship without having made a safety plan. A safety plan is the most important thing you you are in the most danger when you decide to leave. We know this. 75% of domestic homicides occur when the woman decides to leave. And yes, I think somewhere between 87 and 93% of all domestic abuse is at the hands of men towards women. I know that men are abused as well. However, the statistics are such that it is occurring to women by men far more, far more, to the tune of 93%. So, 75% of domestic homicides occur when we leave. And this is what happened to uh, the member of our community who was murdered last week. She ended the relationship and within a week, I believe, she had been murdered. If someone has ever put their hands on your throat, your chances of being murdered by that person whether you stay or go, increases by 500%. This means that if someone has taken the step to put their hands on your throat, they've already crossed the threshold. And if they didn't kill you that time, they are 500% more likely to do so in the future, which means that you may not leave this relationship without a safety plan. Now, how do you create a safety plan? You go to your local domestic violence shelter. You don't have to live there. You call them. This is one of the, I think, a a thing that needs to be um, 
sort of educated about, right? Whenever we talk about, you know, call your local domestic violence shelter, I think the first thing people hear is I have to take my children and go into hiding and go, um, go live somewhere. Uh, you, if, if someone, if, if someone has physically assaulted you and if they have, certainly if they have put their hands on your throat, then yeah, you may, you may need to do that. It's also very difficult. They are overrun. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about how safe women are in our society, um, I don't know what does. Domestic violence shelters are completely overrun these days. Overrun. So your best bet is to create a safety plan with your local domestic violence shelter. You call them, you say you want to create a safety plan. Not only will they help you make a safety plan, they will also help you. Um, they have legal aid. They have so many resources available to you that can help you move forward and get out of your relationship uh, safely. They will help you uh, talk you through filing um, a restraining order. If you need to get a temporary restraining order, then they will talk you through it. You, there are advocates who will go to court with you and will stand with you when you because when you file a temporary restraining order, then you have to go to court and have a hearing and your um, ex or soon to be ex or whatever um, will have to show up for that. And so that can be very harrowing for a victim to have to stand in court with their abuser. Um, and so it's very a very good idea to go with a domestic violence advocate. And your local shelter um, may be able to help you with that. I'm also going to link in the show notes to a safety plan outline that I have created um, so if you need to create a safety plan and you, you know, don't have a, a shelter nearby that's going to be, you know, able to help you, then use the template that is linked in the show notes. And please don't use that um, instead of calling a local shelter for help. You need advocacy. You need help. Th so three things so far. We've got... Um, Talk to your kids. Raise our children differently, better. We've got um, take a take a advocacy course if you can. Become a victim's advocate so you really learn the ins and outs of domestic violence. Do not leave your relationship without a safety plan and the help of an advocacy group such as a domestic violence shelter. And the other thing, the last thing that I want to impress upon everybody is, and I, this is, I am, I, I am aware that by saying this, it sounds like I might be blaming, victim blaming um, the woman who was murdered. And I, and I'm, I don't want to do that. That is not my intention here. Um, but what I, because I actually don't even know um, the details of her story. Um, but what I see over and over and over and over and over and over again uh, in the Facebook group and um, with my clients is uh, this jumping into a new relationship way too fucking soon. I want everyone to do the work to 
heal from their previous relationship, if that's, you know, your marriage or whatever, um, if you have been in, in any kind of abusive relationship, trust me when I tell you that if you don't do some serious work, education, um, you know, uh, reprogramming of your brain, um, you will choose another abusive relationship. That is what happens. That is the science of abuse. This is why so many of us have been in so many abusive relationships and they look different. Every single one of them might look different. But at the end of the day, they're all abusive. So I'm begging you, even if he's, he seems so amazing and he's so different and he's everything your ex was not, trust me when I tell you you're picking with the same picker and it is damaged and it might get you killed. Even your ex who was abusive seemed so amazing in the beginning. If you think back to how amazing he was in the beginning, you'll realize that this new person who seems so amazing, you don't know them. You don't know them. Please do the work to identify within yourself the wounding, your, you know, uh, attachment wounds, all of those things. Do the trauma work. A lot of this work is in my program, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Um, even if you've decided to go, that is a great program for healing and making sure that you don't repeat these patterns. But I also want you to be in therapy. I want you to work with a trauma therapist. I want you to work with somebody or a coach who specializes in abuse recovery. Please, that could be me. It could be um, uh, Leanne Oten. Uh, there are a, there are, are a few. There's a handful of us out there, and if you know somebody that you connect with please reach out to them. Please do this work to recover. And then when you're ready and you start dating again, I want you to take it at a fucking snail's pace because you, you don't know these people. You don't know someone. You don't really know someone until you've been with them for probably a year right? It's about at a year that you're like, okay, we've been through all the seasons. The honeymoon period is over, right? That's the most important thing. We all dive in head first. We jump in with both feet, whatever metaphor you want to use, during the honeymoon phase. And we tell them we love them. That's not love. That's not love. That is attraction. It's infatuation. It's the, it's, it's hormones, it's oxytocin, it's dopamine. You're addicted to these feelings that you get when you're with the person. And then when you're not with them, you actually have physical withdrawal. That's not love. 
Those are hormones. That's infatuation. It's lust. But love is what happens when that is over. Love is what happens when that period has subsided and you still actively choose this person every single day because you like them. You love who they are. Your values align. You are back in your right mind and can make these decisions with clarity, right? Like in your right mind. Those first three to six months, you're not in your right mind. Like you're simply not. You are pumped full of hormones And you're insane, (laughs) essentially. So wait for that to subside. And and, And listen, enjoy that. Oh my God, enjoy that. Enjoy that time. I am not saying that you shouldn't enjoy it. You should 100% enjoy it. But you should not make any long-term plans or commitments in that time. Enjoy that time. Revel in it. Have amazing sex. All of those things. And, I mean, a lot of people would tell you not to actually have sex in those times. But, you know, I'm a realist. But don't move in with them. Do not get engaged. If someone proposes to you in that time, uh, you can probably consider that love bombing. Because they are trying to get a commitment from you when you're not in your right mind, when you cannot think rationally. So you want to move past that point until you actually start to be able to think rationally. And here's the other thing. Don't spend every waking minute with them. Take time. So love bombing is a, I actually think it's an important thing to define here because I hear people talking about it um, incorrectly often. Love bombing is not just when someone's like sending you flowers and they're like, you know, saying all sorts of nice things to you and blah, 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 blah. Like, sure, they could be gushing. They could be what my girlfriend and I used to call a little over on. Um, and that that may be. And um, love bombing is when it is it's done with the design of keeping you off balance when it's done with the design to not give you the opportunity to think, right? They're they're getting you in the feels and they're trapping you in the feels. And it's so consistent and so constant that you actually don't have a minute to think rationally. So they keep you in the irrational mode so that they can gain power and control over you. So if you say to someone like this, hey, you know what? I'm going to take the weekend to just, I just want to process. This is all really great. And I'm having such a great time with you. I just want to take a little moment to like breathe and integrate and process all that's happening. And their response should be, great. I love that. I love that for you. I think that's a great idea. I'm going to miss you. Can I text you? Is that okay? Um, but, or text me, right? Like if they give you the space that you're asking for, 
if they don't, if they make a big deal out of it, if they violate the boundary, if they show up at your house anyway, if they text you nonstop, if they make it so that you cannot think rationally, that is an enormous red flag. And that is a symptom of love, of love bombing. So I want you to think about how you are entering your next relationship. So often I hear women say, oh my God, he's everything my ex wasn't. Choosing the not something is not a way to choose something. You are not actually in choice if all you're doing is choosing the not something. Because a lot of people are going to show up looking exactly the opposite of the abuser that you left. And then they're going to end up being exactly the same as the abuser that you left. So please take time to heal. Do not dive in. Do not jump headfirst into another relationship. Please date. Learn about yourself. We learn about ourselves through dating, right? So we, when we date and we don't dive into relationship, Uh, We just learn so much more about ourselves and we keep our options open and we keep our brains online. And that's really the most important is as you go into something new, as you go into the world of dating, that you keep your brain online. I also want to do a plug for um, the MEND project, which um, is one of the sponsors of the podcast I met Annette Altmans, who you all know because she's been here a million times, because she was doing a training when I was doing my domestic violence uh, certification, and she did the training on emotional abuse. And so they have a wonderful training on emotional abuse. If you just go to their website, themendproject.org, I believe, they will, uh, there. if you look under trainings, you'll find it. And they have, they should have a new cohort starting up again soon. Um, I will uh, keep in touch with them because I know that they had one in, uh, in August. And so hopefully they'll have another one starting up soon again. It's an amazing training, amazing training. So uh, again, education, 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 right? This is how we create an army that will destroy this incredible cancer that is in our society and that really kind of came home to us um, last week um, when uh, one of our murder, one of our victims was murdered. One of our, uh, the members of our community was murdered. So um, that's all I have to say. I'm going to keep talking about this stuff because I'm on a crusade as you may or may not (laughs) already know about me, you know, starting off, Domestic Violence Awareness Month with this um, murder and, you know, this conversation is, it's important. It's really important. So spread the word, my friends. Spread the word, please. Please get educated. Please become an advocate. Please learn for yourself, for others, for everyone, for every woman in the world. Please, please become an advocate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. 
And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.